right. Glad to see everybody here. And um, I've already been prayed for, so I like this. I like to uh, quote the psalmist and say, "Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord." In Jesus' name, that's just a good thing to say. But uh, I mean, can't really beat it. Kind of covers everything. And uh, yeah, I also pray God let everyone hear what's being said and change. In Jesus' name. Uh, yeah, Paul said that in the last days, people are going to go to church to be patted on the head and told how great they are. That's not what the Word of God does to you. The Word of God stomps on your toes and makes you mad. Well, it does. That's what James says. Um, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, with humility, receive the Word which is able to save your soul, save your life, save your marriage, save your kids, save your health, save your sanity. Um, don't fight. So, uh, anyway, this week, through conversations with people, I thought, man, there are about four good sermons. Someone can just, like, say, make a statement, and my mind just sort of, there's my sermon. That's a great sermon. I should do that sermon. That happened four times this week. So I'm kind of blending two of them together. Um, but one of the things was I was talking with Tim, and Tim said, I think you should tell people what your financial rules are that you live by because he said, I don't think people, I think some people aren't hearing what you're saying and they're misconstruing things. And I, well, that would be pretty easy. Um, and I really didn't need to write any notes or anything, but I did make a PowerPoint because it's helpful for you to see why I believe what I believe from scripture. And I will show you one, maybe two toward the end. I'll show you a whole bunch, you know, for a principle, but if you question any of these, come and talk to me, but I'll tell you why I believe this financial principle. And I've tried to live by these financial principles for the last 30 some years. since about 1990. So is that right? I'm bad at math. Yeah. So, okay. So let's just jump right in. Oh, and then if I'm fast enough, so you guys really need to pray because that would be a miracle. You need to pray, Lord, help Tad to shorten this and say everything that needs to be said. We want to. I want to have a Q&A because you're going to say, I want clarification on that. Or does he need this? Like, just raise your hand and uh, whatever. Uh, because this morning, elders and deacons, someone said, well, let's do a Q&A afterwards. Are these all the financial principles? There are no, by no stretch of the imagination. It's just good conversation. And I think Matt's like, hey, whatever, you know, maybe hit on. And he also has a little bit different perspective than me. He's more a business guy and I'm more a ministry guy. So you could say we have different directives from God. We live by the same principles, but he has different directives from God than I do because I'm in the ministry. Uh, but we don't fight because we're following the same boss. He just has a different role in the kingdom than I do. So maybe in a couple of weeks, he's going to come up and cover this as well. But money is massive in our lives. And if you get money under control, uh, I'm not saying if you get money under control, serve God. I'm saying serve God. And if God has your money and he has your wallet, he's got you. And if he doesn't have your wallet, he doesn't have you. That's why he says don't serve God and money. And please don't say, I'm going to get my money under control, then I'm really going to serve God. Then it's never going to happen. Surrender to God today and start figuring out what that means 
with your money. But I'm just let me run it over some of these principles that I live by, and I realize most of them come from the Sermon on the Mount. So a lot of you guys, we memorize James first, because in this church, some of you guys are new. If you want to have your mind renewed, you've got to memorize Scripture. You're like, that's radical, that's extreme, that's too much. Well, then you're not going to change. You just won't change. You have crazy up in your head. Amen? I mean, crazy. I, I, I don't want to like offend people, but your friends are crazy. Your families are crazy. Society's crazy. And we're going absolutely out of our minds, the stuff that's happening in society. The right is crazy. The left is crazy. The middle is crazy. Everybody's crazy. Um, and only Jesus is sane. And the Bible says you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the whole goal of the Christian life, it's not to get a get-out-of-hell-free ticket. It's to renew your mind. So you have the mind of Christ so you can handle everything in life exactly the way Jesus did. And then when you can do that, you handle your money, you have the same perspective on marriage and sexuality and friendship and bitterness and pain and trials and spiritual warfare and conflict and psychological disorders. When you think about everything exactly the same way Jesus did, you are a sane, happy, peaceful, thriving human being. You get saved so you have access to that. Money is one of those things. And he says some wild and crazy stuff about money from the perspective of us, of us crazies. But he's the sane one. We're the crazy ones. So most of it's from the Sermon on the Mount. So after you memorize James in this church, a lot of you will then do the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' longest sermon. So a lot of this stuff comes from his longest sermon. So if he is God with skin on, who came to earth to lead us out of our chaos, it would behoove us to memorize his longest sermon. Right? I remember when I was a kid and I took science they wanted me to memorize the periodic table. And I, literally in class, I'm like, nobody can memorize the periodic table. Nobody. Nobody's ever done it. It's impossible. It's humanly impossible. Nobody can do it. So I cheated off the girl next to me the whole semester. Seriously. Her name was Kim Jones. and She was a nice Christian girl, and I was not a nice Christian boy. Um, I just didn't believe anybody could do it. But, of course, some of you guys are in, in different you know, a lot of you guys are in college. You have, to, you have to memorize all kinds of stuff. The longest sermon Jesus ever gave us, full of eternal wisdom to get us through this life. So anyway, so Tad, I thought you were going to make tracks so you can get through this, and you weren't going to talk, talk, talk. Okay, first financial principle is God's voice leads me, not money. I don't make my decisions. Should I move there? Oh, can I afford it? No, it's God, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to be doing? It's, I know this may sound strange to you. You have to be born again. You have to cultivate your relationship with God to get to the place where God's leading you. But also in this church, we try to teach people to take at least an hour a day, at least an hour a day to spend time with God. That's a minimum. And again, people are like, well, you guys are fanatics. There's some of you guys in here who are into health. You take at least an hour a day. Some of you are trying to learn a language. You take at least an hour a day. We're talking about getting our souls on track. 
so that we're fruitful human beings. Oh, I'm not going to take an hour. Okay, then fine. Then be crazy and struggle for the rest of your life. But most, a lot of us take at least an hour a day. We're in prayer. We're in the Word. And that's where you learn God's, God's uh, Word. And you, you start praying. You start to figure this whole thing out. So interesting story. Very famous from Luke 10. This is not the Sermon on the Mount, but this is just kind of lead in. you got two sisters. They both love Jesus. So it says, Jesus entered a village. There's a woman named Martha. Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. I don't know I'll try to say that. Seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Okay, so Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She thinks she's serving God. And she came up to him and said, Lord, you don't care that my sister has left me to do all the serving? My sister's just sitting there listening to you. I'm very frustrated because I'm working really hard, Lord, and you should appreciate all that I'm doing for you. And you shouldn't appreciate her because she's being lazy and she's, obviously, she's not living by the same priorities and principles that I live by. The Lord answered and said to Martha, 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 you are anxious and bothered about so many things. Only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part or the good thing. It will not be taken away from her. Jesus says, there's nowhere else he says this. There's only one thing necessary for you to get through life successfully. Listen to God's voice. So my first financial principle is I want to learn how to listen to God's voice. If you don't know his word, you're not listening to his voice. If you're not setting aside time, you're not listening to his voice. If you're not praying, God, I want to know your will, you're not listening to his voice. You're Martha, running around, running around, running around, and then saying, Lord, bless, bless my efforts. No, I'm not going to do it. He will not bless your efforts. If you're a Martha running around just doing stuff, making assumptions and presumptions and whatever, he's going to say, hold still for a minute. I created you. I have a plan for you. I will teach you how to listen to me. So anyway, for me, why did I come to Manhattan from the best church I'd ever been in in my life or ever had? Yeah, it was, it was an amazing church. Why did I just up and move and come here? Because in prayer, I felt like the Lord told me, your time here is done. Go to Manhattan. And it was rough when we got here. We were financially settled there better than I ever had been in my life. We came here to nothing. It was not a financially wise decision. It was because we felt God had told us to do it. And then from my perspective, all the miracles he's done since, had I said, well, it doesn't really make financial sense. I think we'll stay back and you know, we'll work till we can afford it. We'd still be there. And then uh, some of you guys would be dead. And some of you guys would be in prison. And I'm not even exaggerating. This is some of you new people like, oh, come on. He's, he's, no, we're not. We're not exaggerating. We people right off of the street. And some of, yeah, some of you were, couldn't stop trying to kill yourselves. Um, but my obedience and your obedience, other people's lives are contingent upon that as well. So I'm not going to make decisions based on money. I'm going to make decisions based upon I want to hear God's voice. But that's a skill set. Some of you aren't even Christians yet. Some of you are brand new Christians. Don't think you can just walk out of here and the first impression you get is God speaking to you. You're going to, it's the devil. Because hearing God's voice is a skill set you have to learn how to do. 
If you have any questions about that, sit until the end because we got to move on. Okay. The next thing is whatever God has told you to do, work hard at it. You got to work hard. So financial principle, work hard. Um, I have wanted to do ministry my whole life. Ministry is what I love doing. Um, it makes me higher than a kite to when I get to do ministry and see the positive effects in people's lives. But there's been times where God said, hey, uh, for this season, you're going to fix furniture. For this season, you're going to blow concrete. You know, you're going to make concrete walls. Yeah, I know you want to do ministry. For this season, you're going to do uh, timber up in the, the mountains of Colorado. Uh, you're going to clear some timber out for some rich guy. Even though you want to do ministry, I'm teaching you something. Work hard. Uh, so don't lay around and expect checks to come in the mail. And But if God tells you, okay, now it's time to do ministry, and uh, it's going to get rough because you're not going to have a lot of support, and I'm going to teach you how to pray, and I'm going to teach you how to see miraculous provision. This is a different season now. Then you work hard at ministry. Um, and you don't say, well, it's not working out, so I think I, I'm probably going to go back to the work world, um, whatever. No, what, you want to hear God's voice, but then whatever he's telling you to do, you work hard. So this is just a command in Ephesians. The one who steals must stop stealing. But instead, work. Doing what is good with his own hands so that I have something to share with him who has need. So just uh, if you have a laziness issue, don't expect God's blessing on your life. Whatever you're doing, hit it hard. You want to hear God's voice, but you also want to work hard. So I, my main thing, this is a discipleship ministry. I'm always personally discipling 10 to 20 guys, not just here in this church, but I have, I have a, a guy in Africa and Uganda. I got a guy in Florida I'm mentoring. So, I mean, I'm, but people tell me you can't mentor 20 guys. It's impossible. You can't do it. I mean, I, I won't even say that because it wouldn't sound right. But I'm like, but God gives you the grace to do what he's asking you to do. So I can do it. I can do it. And I can do it well and I can do it successfully because I'm working hard and I have God's favor on what I'm doing. So you run the business? Are you a student? Are you here for discipleship? Work hard. That's the second principle. It's not always for the buck. It's for the Lord. You're working for the Lord. If he happens to pay you through your Employer, good. If he happens to pay you by sending ravens or manna from heaven, um, that seriously, that kind of stuff happens. All right, keep moving, Ted. All right. I don't live for money. And you shouldn't live for money. You don't live for money. You live to do God's will. You live for God's glory. Money should have no hold on you. You shouldn't be planning your life for the sake of financial security. Now, now we're jumping into the Sermon on the Mount. And if this is raising questions, get out a pen and write that question down because we're going to have a Q&A here in a minute. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Can I have a bank account? I don't know, can you? Go wrestle it through. Uh, it couldn't be what Jesus meant. I'm just going to brush it aside. And, you know, go on E-Trade. No, you, you need to figure out what he meant by this. Where moth and rust destroy with these break in and steal. It means don't be obsessed with the stuff you have down here, your bank account, your car, your clothes, your whatever you think, whatever, all the shiny stuff everybody else is enamored with. This is not what we're about as followers of Jesus. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust is stored, with thieves no breaking and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How do you store up for yourself treasure in heaven? Jesus gives us a little clue. He tells a super rich dude one time. The guy's like, hey, I'm a pretty great guy. I go to church all the time. I keep it, I'm keeping all the rules. I'm walking in sexual purity and integrity, and I'm paying my taxes, and I'm tithing to the church, and everything's great. And Jesus says, okay, let's try this one on for size. If you wish to be complete, go sell all your possessions, give them to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. So what, he, what he's basically saying is invest in other people and then you'll have treasure in heaven. So if you're wondering what that means, some people think this is some law that when you follow Jesus, you have to go sell everything you have and deliver under a bridge. That's a person that hasn't read the Bible. Jesus is into uh, exaggeration for effect, just like you are. I lost my mind the other day. I couldn't find my keys. Really? You lost your mind? Holy cow. Did you go to a specialist or you on medication? No, we understand. We understand that the, the language of the Bible, you have to understand how he's using it and why he's using it. Um, so, but he's, he's basically trying to tell this guy, you're, you think religion is all about a, a bunch of rules you have to keep. It's really about a state of heart. And what he's trying to tell this guy is you're missing the whole boat of what true religion is and what following Jesus is all about because you are selfish. You're in this religious gig for yourself. And Jesus, Jesus knew that he had all this money. And why do people gather money? For me. That's why we gather money. That's why I think about our retirement. Me, myself, I, my stuff, my dreams, my, my time, my, my, my. And Jesus said, if you're really born again and God's really touched your heart, he reverses all that. So now you're obsessed with you, you, you. That's what Jesus was. Jesus was obsessed with everyone else. He woke up in the morning thinking about everybody else. You know you're truly born again. You're truly a follower of Jesus. And he's truly changed your heart because you do a lot of thinking about everybody else. And over time, you get kind of over yourself. And you get a lot of joy from helping others. And if you don't have that, you're in religion for yourself to get saved, to find peace, to find joy, to leverage God for money. God's like, no, 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 that's not why we do this. We're in this thing to heal ourselves of our self-obsession. That's what we're created for, so we can love and give and serve others. So, but all this I was saying just to what, is, what does it mean to store up your treasures in heaven? It means you're investing in others all the time. Can you look back over the last year and say, I had this person stay in my house. I gave money to this person. They didn't even know it was me. I gave my car away. I helped this person pay for their operation. I helped this person go on a mission trip. I got involved in this little kid's life. I'm a big brother in a big, big brother's big sister's program because there's a little kid who doesn't have anyone to love them. And I pay for their baseball games and I buy them gifts and I spend time with them and I take them out for hamburgers. It's all on my dime. And I love it. emotional because it's life, man. So many people in good religion and they're scratching and clawing and they're trying to, it's all about me, me, me. And God's like, oh my goodness. No, it's about you, you, you. That's, that shows that God's really got your heart is when you stop obsessing over yourself. Because you know you're covered. You're good. He's got you. He's forgiven you. He loves you. So now you can obsess over other people. So you don't live for money. He says when you do, he says the lamp of the body is the eyes. So that's like what you're focusing on. If your eyes clear, which means you're not living for money, your whole body will be full of light. Peace, joy. My life is mostly peace and joy. 
and I'm not even very good at any of this, but I'm good enough to, yeah, have a pretty peaceful, joyful life. If your eye's bad, that means you're obsessed over obsessed with money. How do I get more? How do I, you know, and a person is obsessed with money, it doesn't matter how much they have. You know, if, if you say, if I just had ten thousand dollars, you get ten thousand dollars, like, oh my goodness, all it would take is one medical problem or one engine blowing up in my car. I'm gonna get 20 or 50 or 100 or 250. But what if I get taken to court because I've gotten involved in business and ah, I can lose that 250 just like that and get a million? I better get two million. There's no end. There's no end. So your whole body, then you're obsessed and you're living from the time you get up in the morning, you're living for money. You better die to that or you're never going to find peace and joy. And then at the end here, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one, I don't hate God. Well, Jesus, I guess he didn't know what he was talking about. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and wealth. You can serve a God. You can serve the God that you made up. You can serve, serve the God of the American dream and financial security. Seriously. You can serve the God that you've created, but he's not the God revealed in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> See, I told you, it gets offensive, doesn't it? We create God in our own mind so that he can serve our priorities. And we're insane, and we're in, in a demonic snare. <laughs> the New Testament is not a, a financial security seminar. There was a guy named Jim Baker who was into all this health and wealth nonsense. This Christianity that just tries to leverage God to get rich. It's all over the world. It's all on the, the cable channels. Ah, he didn't know the Bible for squat. There was Jim Baker. There's a real famous movie about his life. Um, Through the Eyes of Tammy Faye. It was just, yeah, it just came out as an award-winning thing. It's worth watching. They were, they were deluded by this vision of a God who is about wealth. Um, well, he ended up crashing and burning like they tend to do, going to prison. And in prison, guess what? He picked up the Bible and he started to read what Jesus actually said about money. He's like, what an eye-opener. He doesn't have much good to say about money. It's kind of a necessary thing. It's a tool. You leverage it for God's kingdom. You don't obsess over it. You don't think a whole lot about it. Um, we're, we're obsessed with God's kingdom. Now, if you're a businessman, you're going to have to think more about this tool than a minister will. But you're still, even when you're thinking about it, you're leveraging it for God's kingdom. You're obsessed with God's kingdom. So don't live for money. Live for God. So what do we got so far? We have learn how to hear God's voice. Work hard at whatever it is he's telling you to do. And don't live for money. Oh, be generous. Because if you're not living for yourself and you're thinking about other people... <laughs> You should, and, and I was doing inventory on my life. And <laughs> I was like, was I generous last week? Did I do anything sacrificial? Money I could have used on myself, I inconvenienced myself to help somebody else. And uh, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, I guess I passed last week. I did, I did some stuff that wasn't convenient. Uh, put me kind of in a financial bind, but I did it for the sake of others. 
And it's not just your money either, it's your time. But you be generous. So here's Jesus saying, how do you store up treasure in heaven? How do you do things that God considers are riches and will last forever? Um, think about other people and invest in them. So be generous. This also has a little section in um, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, beware practicing your righteousness before men or people. I should have changed that. Men, anthropos, it's a general term. So, you know, don't get all worked up about the way they used to speak. Um, we used to do it too until about 20 years ago in the United States. So people, don't, don't do stuff to be noticed by people. Otherwise, you're not going to have any reward with your Father in heaven. When you give to the, when you give to the poor, when, when you do it, not if you do it, when you do it. Why? Because this is what God's kids do. Boy, yeah, it's hard not to launch off into sermons. My life was changed by Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Absolutely changed by Isaiah, the 58th chapter. You got a bunch of people crying out to God, God, where are you? Why are you ignoring us? Why are you? And God's like, you don't give a rip about the poor. So you might as well not even pray. You don't give a rip about the poor. And people are poor because of ignorance and injustice. That's usually what's going on. And in places where people are poor, there's a lot of sin going on. Satan's taking advantage of a lot of people. So he says, my kids go into those situations and get their hands dirty. He says, you're going to church. I'm, I'm very happy. I don't want to be weird about this. I'm happy that our church is becoming more diverse. Because like uh, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said, it's the most segregated hour of the week. We want our kind of people, our social strata with, you know, and I grew up in the nice white, you know, middle class. Everybody has enough money and everyone's kids go to college. Um, God says, look, I want you to get uncomfortable. I want you to cross all the lines because there's people in your society that are treated unjustly. There's people that don't have opportunities. Go make yourself. And there's people in other countries that are dangerous places. I want you to go there. And in doing so, you're going to be like Jesus. Although he existed in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God, something to be held on to, this is Philippians 2, but emptied himself and took on the form of a slave. That's Christianity. So when you go to the poor, and Jesus didn't, didn't just come into this stinking pit where we rejected him and hated him and killed him, he laid down his life for us in this stinking pit. Why? To get us out of this stinking pit and, and to reconcile us to the Father. So that's what Christianity is. So if you're a Christian, you're going to be generous and you're going to go to the poor. But you're not just going to go to the poor. You're also going to love blessing God's kids. Surprise some college student and go drop $500 in their account towards their tuition. Or, or give some college student a car. Or, you know, your college students are like, go, 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 right? But there's other kids. Let someone live in your house. Who was on the street? But, but I mean, pay for someone's lunch. Jesus said, what you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done to me. Which means when you buy me lunch, you buy Jesus lunch. But that was weird. When I buy you lunch, I'm buying Jesus lunch. If you're born again, that's what he says. Whatever you do for my kids, you're doing for me. Be generous to each other. It's the heart of God. 
Okay, so we're doing all right on time. Let's see here. When you give, don't, don't uh, when you give to the board, don't sound a trumpet before you. It should just be a part of your life. Crits, we're not, we don't want to have a board up here who gave the most. Truly, I say to you, they have a reward in full. When you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just be generous because that's who you are. When you're born again, that's just who you are. Okay. Oh, here's a good one. These are my these are the principles I live by. And again, I was I was literally I was in tears this morning because I'm so I fail at them so often. But we're not gonna like dumb the word of God down and pretend like God's okay with my mediocre performance. We're gonna put it up where it belongs and we're gonna let the Holy Spirit convict us this morning, and we're going to say, God, I'm going to change. Not I'm going to change next week, or I'm going to change when I have a million dollars on my account, and then I can give to the church, and I'm going to change now. Because I know what he's saying is right, because it came from the words of Jesus. That's what. That's why we're supposed to come together at church, is to change. Not to be patted on the head and said, oh, you're great. You're already great. So, uh, another principle I learned when I was very young, you give your first and your best to God, Period. In the Old Testament, it's called a tithe. It's called a tenth. Someone's like, can I tithe 5%? Sure, you can tenth 5%. You could tenth 2% if you wanted to. That's why it's called a tenth. No, you can't. You have to tenth a tenth. That's why it's called a tenth. <laughs> Read your Bibles, man. So when I was very young, if I made $100... You just think of it like a, I don't know, like a quart of milk with cream on the top. You take the cream off and you give it to God. That's what you do if you're a follower of God. You give him the tithe, the first, the best. I give him the first, the best of my time. I give him the first, the best of my money. So, trust that. Now, this is interesting. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Some of you are like, that's my life verse. I love that verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. What that means is stop doing it your way. Learn his way. In all your ways, know him. Know what's up with him. Know what his attitude is. Know what his perspective is. Do it his way, and he will make your paths straight. So dump your financial principles and adopt his financial principles. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. That means God says, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where's the house you could make for me? My hand made all these things. To this one will I look. To him who is humble, contrite of heart who trembles at my word. When he speaks, we say, yes, sir. We don't come up with excuses. So he says, don't be wise in your eyes. And then he says, it'll be healing to your body, refreshment to your bones. Did I leave it off? Oh, honor the Lord from your wealth. From the first. Yeah, but if I pay... The tithe on the $2,000 I'm getting, my tuition is exactly $2,000, and it won't work. Do it anyway. That doesn't make any sense. No, you don't make any sense. To God. I'm serious. Our whole married life, we have done this. And our whole married life, we have been on a razor's edge financially, and God's always going, test me, test me. Give the first, your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will overflow with new wine. I started doing this back in Bible college. I remember 
God just again and again and again proving himself to be faithful. When I'm generous, when I give him the first and the best, that frees up God to do miracles. Don't complain about no miracles in your life if you're not doing what he told you to do. I'll do it later when I have things under control financially. You are never going to have things under control financially, ever. And if you think you do, you're deceived. And so God will probably let the devil come and pull one of the pieces out like that Jenga game, and it's going to be all over the floor. You're never in control. He's always in control. So honor him. Give him the first and the best. Another little rule that I generally live by is that you give to the place where you feed. So if you're here and you're visiting, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so convicted. I should give a tithe today. I'm going to write a check to this church. No, go home and write it to your church. Because how else are they going to keep the lights on? How else are they going to pay for the ministers and the people that are doing the work of God in your church? That's how, that's how God's always kept it going. Some people are like, well, that's Old Testament law. No, it was going on before the Old Testament law. Ties happened before the law of Moses. It's just the way that God keeps his workers taken care of. So, all right, Ted, stay in task. Okay, give your first and best to God. So let's, let's uh, go back and review here. Uh, let's see, what do I have? Because these go out over the internet and people listen to them. So it's good to review. Okay, let God's voice lead you. Are you taking time with the Lord? Are you like Martha, running around like a chicken with your head cut off? And then, you know, bless me, bless me, bless me. That's not how it works. Show me what direction I need to go in, Lord, and I will obey. Uh, work hard. Are you a student? Work hard. Do you have a business? Work hard. Are you in ministry? Work hard. Are you living by faith and God's providing for you miraculously? Work hard. Are you working for an employer and you have a very consistent paycheck coming in? Work hard. But don't live for money. <laughs> don't live for money. Um, anyway, I'll just keep, be generous, live a generous life. Let's see, what else? Give your first and your best to God. And your tithe, as a rule, I think should go, and the Bible says this, if you're benefiting spiritually from a ministry, a church, then you should bless that place materially. That's just a biblical principle. Ah, this is a fun one, isn't it? Avoid debt. Avoid debt. Be content. You know, it took me 10 minutes to get here. My suburban is 20 years old. I can make it here to do God's will in a 20-year-old suburban that is worth $3,000 just as well as I can make it here in a $100,000 suburban that's brand new. I can, it's just as easy for me to get into that car. So why would I need the other one? It's all just lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, boastful pride of life, keeping up with the neighbors, trying to look good, trying to pose, trying to be content. Be content with what you have. Uh it, it's hard for me, my my siblings, 
A lot of them. <laughs> they've made a lot of money, man. I'm not judging them. They just made a lot of money. And it's hard to visit them. No, you don't understand. I mean, a lot of money. It's hard to visit them on both sides of the family. But um, I, I know, I'm, I'm pretty darn certain, that following the Lord, trying to follow the Lord with all my heart, I experience joy, euphoria, several times a week. You hear me say this a lot. That, And I'm not saying you can't have money and serve the Lord. But I know a lot of people have money and they're not happy. I'm not making a judgment on my family, whatever. I would say some are happy, some aren't. But um, I know that following the Lord with all my heart, and, and when God says, hey, you don't need any prayer, like, all right, you're right. It frees me up to focus on those things which re that really matter. I'll tell you, I've already told you this. You think you want money, you don't. You think you want fame, you don't. You don't want it. Because everybody that catches it, they're like, eh, that's not all that. The only reason you believe you want it is because you don't have it yet. You catch it, you realize you don't want it. What you want, you can have today. What you need, you can have today. You want an intimate connection with your creator. And you want deep connection with other image bearers. That's what you want. You want to be loved by him and you want to love others. That's what you want. And you want to have a meaningful life. Those things, that's what you want. You want to have an intimate relationship with God. You want to have you want to have deep fellowship with other people. And you want to give and serve in a way that's going to impact people's lives for eternity. And you have if you have all that, whether you have money or not, you're going to be a happy camper. You're going to die well, right? So if you believe a lie that you need the next thing, the shiny thing, the new car, or you go to a church that thinks it's leveraging Jesus because he's our sugar daddy. You're not, you're not, even your Christianity is not going to be satisfying. It's not going to be satisfying. God promises He's going to give you what you need if you're walking faithfully with Him. So avoid debt. Debt is usually caused by I need something I don't really need. I want something. I don't need the new car. I don't need the new clothes. I don't need the new house. I don't need the new, <laughs> I like, I like chainsaws. I don't need a new chainsaw. I love mountain bikes. I love mountain bikes. Mine is perfectly adequate. My car works just fine. So what does Timothy, what, what does Paul tell Timothy? Godliness is a means of great gain, gaining the stuff that really matters, when accompanied by contentment. When we brought nothing into the world, we can't take anything out either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and foolish, harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction and ruin marriages and reputations and make people drink. I was telling the guys earlier when I was in Bible college, I used to work on the Million Dollar Mile uh, on, on Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. In these buildings... The owner of uh, the Indianapolis Colts lived there. Oprah Winfrey was in one of the buildings. Uh, former quarterback, huge business dude, said Luckman was it. I mean, these are rich, rich, powerful people. I used to take out the garbage. Piles and piles and piles of bottles. 
You don't drink unless you're not happy. You want to argue about that one? Stay afterwards. I do all the drugs I want to do. I do all the drinking I want to do. When you love life and you're getting high on life, you just don't have any need for any of that. Just a fact. These super rich power players just filling up the trash bins with alcohol. Why? Because they're not happy. Leave from these things, you man of God. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So you avoid debt, because debt is usually caused by discontentment. Or, yeah, or it could be lack of faith. So that's one of my rules. I don't think debt is evil all the time. The Bible doesn't really say much about it at all. Uh, it does say the borrower becomes the lender's slave. If you're a businessman, smart business guys who love the Lord know how to leverage money and move it around. They're like playing a game. But most of us, we're getting in over our head, and we have no idea how we're going to pay it off. And this brings up an interesting thing, and I hope everybody's paying attention, because this is where this whole money thing started this morning. This was what Tim brought to my attention. <laughs> I don't know how to, how to move into this gracefully. Here's a rule. Don't put stuff on your credit card and expect God to pay it off. I think Tim thought people thought I believed this. Like, I put stuff on my credit card and expect God to pay it off? You're a fool. You're ridiculous. I move forward when I feel like God's telling me to do something like a missions trip, but I move forward as the resources come in. I don't. I want to take a mission trip. It's going to cost $20,000. I'll just like put it on a credit card and I'll just assume God's going to take care of it. I thought Susan needed a new car. Well, I could just put it on my... We have fantastic credit limit on our cards, all of our cards. <laughs> Funny story. Her parents are so much more wealthy than us. And one time they came over. We were young. We were living by faith. I mean, we were literally praying for groceries to come and be put on a porch at times. And God did it. I mean, I, her parents came over. And I, this is kind of a joke. But you know, you have a gold card, a silver card, a platinum card, a plutonium card, a whatever. Her parents came over like, you have a, they're offering a plutonium card? They're like, we don't even have an offer for a plutonium card. You know, they drove up in their new BMW or whatever. And we're driving around in cars that people have given to us. So anyway, we, we have a great credit limit. So I could have just bought her car on credit. I don't do that. So we need a car, we pray. We pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. And and again, some of you business guys, you're playing the game a little different. And if you are, this doesn't bother you. It only bothers you if you're doing it wrong. But right around Christmas time, we just got bombs dropped on us. Financial bombs. Because that's the way it's always worked. I've never had a car payment ever in my life. I don't know if I've had 20 cars. Never had a car payment. Again, that doesn't mean your car payment's evil. I'm just saying there is a way to do things. Um, and there's a way not to do it. But you don't, as a rule, put things on your credit card, especially stuff you don't need. And then think that God's obliged to pay it off. He's not going to pay it off. 
You're just going to eat it, suffer, and they're going to get mad at God. Say, I thought you said you're going to provide all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Like You're just making this all up yourself and cherry-picking verses and putting it into your crazy. It's not how it works. Read verses in context, see how the principles work. So anyway, avoid debt, be content. And don't be anxious. Anxiety is actually becoming like a virtue in the church now. Um, Joe told me that there's a scholar who wrote a book that's basically saying anxiety is a great thing. And Jesus was anxious and Paul was anxious and we should all be anxious and we should praise God for our anxiety. Being a little bit facetious right there, but only a little bit. Like there's nothing we can do about anxiety. Let's <laughs> look at this. This is a Sermon on the Mount. Do not be anxious. Why are you anxious? What do you by being anxious? Do not be anxious. So then do not be anxious. All right. One of the ways not to be anxious is to live in the day. Stop worrying about your retirement. Stop worrying about, you know, the car you're going to need next year. Stop worrying about how you're going to pay for your master's degree and you haven't finished your bachelor's degree. Live in this day. When you're thinking down the road about all the things, all the dreams you want to fulfill, you're missing all the people that you could be loving right now who are around you that are going to give you life, meaning, and purpose, etc. I don't have time to go to church because i got to get two jobs so that I can invest in my IRA. Then you're going to miss everything that God wanted to do in your life at church. You're going to miss all the people that God wanted to, you know, I can't do the Big Brothers, Big Sisters program because i got to, whatever, i got to go talk to my financial advisor, whatever. But it's like, no, you live in the day. Live in this day. If, if you're covered today, you're fine. That's a hard one, isn't it? We're just taught to think in everything but today. You're robbing yourself of all the blessings God wants to do in your life right now if you're living next week, down the road, next month. Your career. No, I'm still got. Oh, we have to do the Lord's table too. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Ooh, this was the other sermon. Of learn how faith works. Mm. Lord, multiply our time. Help us to hit some kind of a... No, just kidding. Time warp, time warp so we can do all this. Uh, a lot of people have no idea how faith works. But in the midst of this Sermon on the Mountain, he ends up, don't be anxious, live in the day, do things God's way. Do you know that faith isn't just about finding some statement that looks wonderful and trying to apply it to your life in prayer? That's not how it works. Faith is virtually... Always, if then, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The if, then all these things will be added to you. So you're trying to pray for God's provision and guidance, and you want him to show you, you know, open up the career path and provide that godly spouse and help sort out all your financial woes, and you don't give two wits about his kingdom. You haven't shared your faith in a year. You don't pray for anybody around you. You're not praying for your church. You're not reaching out to your friends. You don't spend any time in the Bible. There's a scripture I love. Uh, one of the Old Testament prophets, God's like, you don't listen to me, I don't listen to you. If then. But God says, if you do what I want, if you do what I'm asking you to do because you're taking your time with me, if then, if you're seeking my kingdom, you're going to be ex regularly experiencing some pretty amazing things. If then. 
So, oh, God, I just pray for the peace that passes comprehension to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I claim that by faith in Jesus' name. I claim that peace. Why am I not feeling it? I claim it. Oh, man, I'm still as anxious as I was before I started claiming it. If then, be anxious for nothing. Stop living in the next year, the next month, or in your retirement, or when the medical problem hits that isn't here today, stop living there and robbing this day of what you could be doing this day. Knock it off with everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. God, thank you. Tomorrow's going to be taken care of tomorrow. I got stuff to take care of today. I don't have to worry about my rent coming in next week because I got food on the table this week. I got a roof over my head this week. I'm going to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. So he says, look, if you train yourself not to live in anxiety and in the future, then the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If, honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of your, God, why aren't you taking care of me? You're not honoring God from your first and your best. We're joking this morning. How many young guys, I don't talk to young girls, maybe they do it too, young ladies, I'm going to wait till I have a huge wad in the bank. I'm going to get really serious about the kingdom. You're ridiculous. It's not going to happen. You learn to live by godly principles now when you have $100 in your pocket. And then you practice when you have $500, you do the same thing. And then when you have $1,000, then when you have $10,000, then you're going to do what you did when you had $100. But if you train yourself to put God off now, you're going to be putting him off and you have million, if you ever get millions of dollars, which you probably won't. You just, you're training yourself to put him off and be disobedient. So honor the Lord from your first, then your barns will be filled. You can do this all day. My God will supply all your needs, not your wants, your needs. I'm good on cars. Got all the cars I need. But I would want some other kind of, but I got all that I need. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, but he's talking to people, this promise, this all of needs. These are people who he said, you Philippians, when I first preached the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Even in Thessalonica, you gave me a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself. I seek for the profit, which increases your account. This is the if part. These are wildly generous people investing in the kingdom. And then he gives them the promise. we got to read the Bible in context. No good thing to see withhold from those who walk uprightly. And this is kind of an overarching principle, too. And unfortunately, I don't have time to go into all this. You can also understand that it's an if-then thing. But if you have known sin in your life, forget about it. That puts everything on pause. I hope I'm not speaking too fast. There's all kinds of promises. If you're doing things God's way, he's going to come through. Finances is one of the ways that you'll see a lot of miracles happen if you do things God's way. But the one thing, as true as this is, that will shut it all down is if you have known sin in your life. So a lot of times the psalmist will pray. It's really, he's so just, I don't know what the word is, audacious, brash, bold. He comes before God. He's like, God, you know, and I know. I got nothing on my hands. I got no evil going on in my heart. Everything you show me, we're good. You know it. So you have to answer me. This happens again and again. And uh, I was talking to someone, and they're just appalled. It's like, look at this guy. How arrogant. You can do that. And if you can't do that, don't say, well, nobody's perfect. 
So I'm going to uh, keep living with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, or I'm going to keep cheating on my taxes or lying to my parents. No, you take care of what you know about. You're born again Christian. Um, and then that's what kind of kicks in this if-then thing. But you have to come with clean hands. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? You're not doing anything bad. You're not thinking anything bad. You've forgiven everybody that needs to be forgiven. You've talked to who needs to be spoken to. You've apologized to who needs to be apologized to. You've given God your first and your best. You're taking time with the Lord. You're like, God, I'm, I'm unaware of anything in my life. Does that mean you're perfect? Absolutely not. For the rest of your life, God's going to say, hey, you've been doing great, but uh, <laughs> look at this massive category that you uh, that we're going to have to sort through now. You're, you, it's, it can be overwhelming. I tell you guys, it happens to me about every six months. And I'm like, God, how'd you ever use me? Well, you were you were dealing with what I showed you, so we were good. If you know, if we walk in the light, it sees in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' His Son covers us from all sin. So anyway, no good thing does He withhold from those who walk brightly. The Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. Uh, actually, I didn't need to do that because if then is in the second part. No good thing is he withholds from those who walk uprightly, from those who walk uprightly. So you also have to come with that condition of heart. What else do I have? No known sin. So I wrote a little prayer just this morning while we were praying. Write your own prayer. Lord, I give you my wallet. Oh, I give it to my wife. It's in her purse. I had to put it out here as a visual aid. You can have anything you want. God might tell you to cut up your credit cards. He did that at one point in my life. God didn't want me to have any credit cards. I cut them up. I got a phone call immediately. Got a phone call immediately. I don't know what the Lord just told me to call you and give you $1,500. I don't even know what this is about. I'm not even kidding. Nah, that'll never happen to me. Yeah, if you believe that, it'll never happen to you. You do it so you can have my wallet, you get anything you want. I give you my house. I'll live wherever you want me to live. I mean, live in a I'll live in a trailer. I'll live in a tent. I'll live in a cave. And you're like, yeah, just as I thought, God's going to rip me off. No, that's the lie. He's trying to make your life full. Any standard of life that will bring you the most glory. I'll be whatever you want me to be a king, a pauper, a prisoner. I give him my house. If you want all my equity, take it. I give you the things I depend on. You want me to sell my car, ride a bicycle, or walk? You want me to give it away? That's what I want. I give you my investments, my retirement account, my inheritance. I'll drain it. I'll give it. I'll invest it, whatever you want me to do. Today we're talking about how great it would be if the church could start a ranch because we've got hard cases in here that would be so much easier to work with if they were a little bit away from town. It's never going to happen unless people put their stuff on the altar, including moi. I give you the things I love. My tools. Oh, guys, can I hear a big amen? My tools. My chainsaw. My power pack. 20 volt, all the different things you can snap on them. I'll sell them. I'll give them away. I'll lend them out. I'll give you my mountain bike. That was a hard one. I'm not just kidding. It wasn't that hard. Someone in the church needed more than I do. I don't care who your will offends. 
don't care if my mom likes it, my dad likes it. I don't care if you guys like it. Fire me. I want to do God's will. Not really. I love it here. I don't want to be fired. I want to do God's will. I want you to have everything that, you know, in this short life, so you can get the glory out of me. Hear me answering in Jesus' name. Yeah, I just wrote that while we were talking. Uh, as um, 